The following program is sponsored by Marty McClendon and West Coast Windows. God is so big and so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. do, do. My God is so big and so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. do. My God is so big and so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Now, do you believe that, that there is nothing our God cannot do? I do, and it's all too often, though. Um, we're encouraged to not believe that in our own case, that it's, it's true for somebody else, but not for us. It's true for the person down the street or the great saint or the great whatever, but not for us, or we did too many things. But no, God is God. He is always on the throne. He's capable of doing greater things than us, and uh, of course, He's promised to do those greater things on our behalf as well. So anyway, good morning, everybody, all across the ACN network. I say that every single week across in the mornings on Saturday morning. I thank you for those that tune in on Saturday mornings. I thank you for those that listen to the rebroadcast in the podcast form, uh, whether it be on your smart speakers, whether it be on your computer, uh, or you go to like iTunes or Anchor or Spotify or the many places where it's posted after the radio airs on Saturday mornings. Uh, a big praise and shout out for 2024. Welcome to the brand new spanking new year. Uh, we're six days in, one weekend, so we have 51 weeks to go. Not to put any pressure on you, but take some time, um, plan out man, what are your goals, what are your visions for this year, um, put them on paper, um, see the end from the beginning if it means, um, see the, see where you want to be and then work backwards to how you get there. All those good things in a new year. And all of you, I hope you all had a wonderful, wonderful Christmas with your family, your friends, your neighbors. Even if you're by yourself, I hope you enjoyed the season. Knowing and believing um, the reason for the season was the fact that God entered time and space with a plan with his only begotten son to be born of a virgin. I love this. To live a perfect life. And we know, uh, as we're coming up on Easter here in a few months, uh, of the resurrection. They live this perfect life. His ministry was to pay the price for our sin, that we could be restored to a relationship with Almighty God. So I want to start the day off. I usually start today every program off with a scripture. And today I'm going to do a little bit backwards. I'm going to, first of all, um, you can always reach out to the program at Morning Show Marty. That's Morning Show Marty at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook. You can find uh, the uh, rebroadcast, like I said, on all these, all these different um, broadcasting or podcasting sites after the words. You can find my other program heard on these same stations at 10 o'clock with Doug and Marty versus the world on the same places. Additionally, you can go to DougAndMarty.com and find those um, programs, past broadcasts, and more information about that program and us on that website. So, Many ways to get in touch. I love it when I get emails. I love it when I hear back from you all that you enjoy the show or you have some questions. You maybe have some dialogue um, or some points I or guests I should talk to. I really want to be intentional this year as well about bringing on guests that have an impact and whether it be socially, um, politically, and civic government, in the church or whatever. And I always, if you're new to the show, um, I've 
I call the show in my opinion, it may be called the Marty McClendon show at some point in the future. But the point is, is I come before you with the person who loves the Lord, um, loves my neighbors, lifetime up, you know, resident of Washington state, love the state, love this nation, have a, have a built-in patriotism, if you will. But I've got uh, experience. I've got 15 years in healthcare. I've got 24, 25 years now in real estate and real estate management. Been about a decade in the pulpit, still a licensed pastor. And over a decade, either running for office in the political movement in Washington state or serving in, in the political process, whether it be a county chair or a PCO, and of course, I don't know, over a decade now, um, doing political talk radio or conservative talk radio, if you will, starting off in Seattle, Salem Radio, uh, and then rebroadcasting across the ACN network. And of course, now just exclusively on the ACN network. Um, but still, it's been working between me, myself and my partner and my other show and this show, um, talking about the issues that matter to uh, Americans, uh, Washingtonians, uh, to parents and, and Christians alike across the board, basically looking at the stories of the week or the month or the year, if you will, that we should be paying attention to and viewing them from a, a Christian worldview. And that's basically the gist of this program. And I really talk about civic government, about Christians getting engaged just about every show. Occasionally, I'll talk about real estate uh, and then the, the market and so forth, my experience there. Sometimes I'll talk about healthcare and, and some of the things to watch out for. And sometimes I just preach, you know, because uh, I love preaching the word of God. And today is one of those days. So instead of starting off with a scripture verse of the week, I'm going to start off with a series of events um, and an idea and then wrap it up with some scriptures that support it, if you will, today. And I hope you enjoy. But today really is about the word and the meaning of trust and being trustworthy. So this all started, I was in the shower. I know you don't want to visualize that, I know, especially after the holidays, but I was reminded, I grew up as a Boy Scout. Many of many people did, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts. And um, I spent a lot of time as a Boy Scout leader, uh, and I became the rank of an Eagle Scout. I was a camp counselor. Uh, wonderful things where my dad was involved, camping, so many things. But I was reminded on how many times that we said the Boy Scout oath and the Boy Scout law. I'm gonna read them to you first and I'll let you know where I'm going with this. The Boy Scout oath says, on my honor, I will do my best to do my duty to God and my country and to obey the Scout law, to help other people at all times, to keep myself physically strong, mentally awake and morally straight. We like to simplify things by saying God, family, country. You know, I know one of our founding forefathers, James Burke, said it should be God, country, family, because if the country ever comes against the family, the family is done for. But this, this the scout oath really is I'm doing my best to do my duty to God and my country. It goes on to say to help other people at all times, love your neighbor, to keep yourself physically strong, mentally awake, and morally straight. If we can just focus our kids and ourselves on just those three, to be physically strong, mentally awake, and morally straight in these times, I do believe we'd be a lot better off. I was reminded of this, I'm like, oh yeah, not only is this an oath, but these are good principles to live by. Okay, great. Then you go on to the law, it says a Boy Scout is trustworthy, loyal, 
helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. All of those, again, are tenets that are based upon biblical principles. The Boy Scouts of America was a Christian organization. It was based on Christian principles. Now, it's been perverted and twisted and changed over the years. Um, but these, this, the oath and the law, much like our Constitution and many other things, are derived from the principles that God has put in his Bible, the Word, and, and, and of course, in the person of Jesus Christ. Anyway, I was reminded of this. And then really, as I was in the shower, as I, I felt like God was highlighting things about trustworthiness and trust. And then it really hit me. This is, a, this is my own opinion, but this is also what I, I believe um, that Scripture backs up, that all relationships, all interpersonal relationships, the, the relationships that we have with God, the relationships we have with our spouse, the relationships we have with our kids, the relationships we have with our business partners, the relationship with our neighbors, the relationship we have with our employees or the employer, and the relationship we have with our customers, all of those uh, uh, depend and are based upon trust. And the strength of that relationship is dependent upon the level of trust in that relationship. Think about that. The higher the trust, the more freedom there is, the stronger the relationship is, the lower the trust, the more coercion, the more enforcement, the more contracts, legal contracts are have to be put in place to secure, like a, a customer to a company. The higher the trust, okay, great. Um, the lower the trust, the more people mistrust the company, won't buy from them, or need contracts to enforce the company to comply. Crazy thing. So anyway. Once again, all relationships are based on trust, and the strength of that relationship is dependent upon the level of trust in that relationship. That's in a nutshell where we're going, okay? So your relationship with your spouse, your kids, your friends, and God is based on trust. And people are like, well, no, it's based on faith. Well, I get there. But isn't faith trust? You trust in the Lord. You have faith that God will be faithful. You have trust that God will be God and keep his word, right? That is faith you know, in the word of trust. Your business relationship, your social relationships, and your civic relationships all dependent upon the trust between the parties and so on and so on, as I just mentioned. Now, then I said, okay, well, scripturally, how does that back up? I have two examples for you. I want to just share these with you. In the um, Old Testament, when Abraham, where the father of many children, right, the idea here was he was promised a child in old age. Uh, Abraham was near 70, 80 years old. God promised him a child from his own that, that they would reproduce and have basically children as, as many as these uh, grains of sand in the world. I mean, the stars in the sky. Basically, the generations would be blessed through Abraham. Okay, and of course, um, they waited and waited and waited, and then they got restless. They, uh, him and his wife, um, took upon themselves to use one of the maids, which led to the, the rise of the nation of Islam as well, uh, the Muslim nations. Anyway, um, but they did it on their own. Okay, so they fell short. They didn't wait. They didn't trust God in that part. So we know God is full of mercy. We know we have grace. We know that mercy is when we don't get the things, the judgment that we deserve. We know that grace is when we give blessing when we don't deserve either. We, it's nothing we've earned. 
unearned blessing, if you will, is grace. But God gives us above and beyond, uh, and we didn't merit it, if you will. And whereas we merit the judgment um, and we don't get it, that is mercy. So those are good. But trust is a different thing, right? So we, now Abraham fell short because he didn't trust that God had promised him this child. So God delivers this child at, in their old age um, because God is faithful and God's word is truthful and does not return void. We know this. And then Abraham um, now has this child and has, has this other child with his maid. Uh, and then God has asked Abraham to sacrifice the child, the promised child he's been giving. I want to read the scripture first to you, okay? It's in chapter 22, uh, Genesis 22, and it says, After these things, God tested Abraham. So why is he testing Abraham? What is he testing? What exactly is he testing Abraham for? Okay, uh, you could say faith, which later on, but I could also say trust. Can he trust Abraham? And he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which you shall, I, I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to place uh, the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Interesting, it's the third day. Jesus rose again on the third day. Okay, okay. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they both went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but there, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they, they went both of them together. So verse 9 goes, When they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar, altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. Here it is. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, and behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. He was on the same. And the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this, what? Right? Been faithful. He was trustworthy. Um, and not withheld his own son. Have not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring, giving him more sons and daughters. As the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. 
and in your offspring shall all nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham lived at Beersheba. Okay, we all know this story, but the, in the light of trust, God already, I mean, Abraham trusted God, and God trusted Abraham, didn't he? But at this point, is God tested Abraham, uh, obviously working things, God had delivered, so God was trustworthy, but he had to see that Abraham was trustworthy. And then later on, they, they do a covenant, if you will, um, with the two halves of the animals and, and the fire in the middle. It's a, it's a whatever thing, but it's this idea of being trustworthy to God. We all want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Well, what does that mean, right? Well, it leads me to the second scripture verse that supports this idea of being trustworthy. Trustworthy, I think our goal, my goal this year, I mean, we can be, but really to focus on being a trustworthy person in relationships, every relationship we have, okay? The parable of the talents. We know this one. This is where the master went away. So it says, for it will be like a man. This is uh, Matthew 14, um, or verse 14. I, I mean, it's a parable of talents. You can look it up. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property his possessions. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, uh, one. To each according to his ability, okay? Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded them, and he made five talents more. So he doubled, got to work, and was faithful with the, the um, responsibilities uh, that the master gave him. Uh, so also, he who had two talents made two talents more, doubled it, right, based on his ability and got to work. He was faithful in what he was given. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to be five talents. Here I've made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter in the joy of your master. And he also who had two talents came forward saying, master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 24 says, He also had received the he who also had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I gathered no seed, scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I should have received what was my own interest, my own and interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to who everyone who has, has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
Why is this tied into this idea of trustworthiness? These, they said, well done, good and faithful servant. They, it was a test by the master to see how they would operate with the talents and treasures that he's giving them like God tested Abraham, okay? He wants to see how they were. And what it was, when they proved faithful, trustworthy in the process, then they were entrusted with greater, more cities, more responsibility, more riches. It wasn't about them. It was about can God trust them, or the master in this case, with the response, bigger, bigger responsibility. And I, I thought this was really powerful. And so it's very convicting because all too often uh, we feel like blessings and all that stuff. Like, yeah, we deserve them. Well, we don't deserve them. But can we grow in trust? And like I said before, when a uh, company can grow trust with its customers, a company can grow trust with its employees. Employees can be trustworthy to their employer. You can be uh, earn and grow trust in your marriage. You can grow trust with your children. And, and it, it takes an active thing. But you have to be trustworthy by extending it and vice versa. And you can repair trust, even though it's much harder to restore trust after having losing it. Um, but this right here is this idea of being trustworthy to God. It's, it's, it's um, we are called to be obedient, right? Doing what we're told to do or because we have to do or whatever. That's one thing. That's, that's a level of belief. There's a faith, though. When, when Abraham was accounted his righteousness, his faith was accounted as righteousness, right? Our faith is accounted as righteousness. The, the faith in Christ Jesus is apportioned, applied to our debt owned and is wiped free, okay? But that faith, that righteousness, is that the, the ability for God to trust us for more. I know there's great and mighty things that God's designed and laid up for us in, in the uh, foundations of time, for us to do good works. And I love the idea that when we're faithful and little, he gives us more. But that had a deeper meaning when I started um, being reminded of the Boy Scout model and the Boy Scout law, and then in fact, of this trustworthiness, this trusting that we're called all throughout scripture, trust in, rely on the Lord, and not rely on our own understanding. That's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, okay? Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6 amazing there. And then all it says, trust in, trust in, trust in. We could probably find a hundred scriptures that says trust in the Lord. But when you look at it too, it's a two-way street. Every relationship is a two-way street. Yeah, you know, the level of trust in a relationship is a mutual trust where you trust in the Lord and you become trustworthy as his representative so, so he could use you to do uh, achieve great feats. In your marriage, it, the level of trust... If the wife trusts the husband, but the husband doesn't trust the wife, it's not a healthy marriage. It's got to be mutual. Same thing with kids. I remember when I was growing up, not growing up, I was raising my kids. There was a time, a point in time, where when they were born all the way up to about four or five years old, literally, if I said jump, they would jump knowing that I would catch them. There was such absolute trust that we had their best interest in mind. Then there comes a time when they come into their early teens, preteens, teen years, that level of trust sometimes gets um, destroyed either one. We, uh, we miss it as parents. Kids mess up as well. And they've got to learn the value of that relationship and the trust evolves. And you can work through it, obviously, and get stronger over time. But I remember there was a day where my kids didn't want to draw a jump because they realized that, oh, 
I had missed one time or whatever. And so that's a very simplistic thing, but this idea of um, being faithful uh, followers of Christ and doing what we're called to do is stepping out in faith, but it's stepping out in trust. We, we, we step out because we trust God to be true. We trust God that he's calling us and sending us that he would be with us because his word said he would never leave nor forsake us. Our response to that trust in uh, that trust in Him is to be trustworthy, um, to be worthy of more. Right? It's not about earning things, but it, this this really is about a response to in faith, just like love. And God, the Word of God says that um, we love God because He first loved us. Right? He sent His only begotten Son to die on the cross to pay the price for our sins to restore relationship with us. So we in turn love God. Uh, in this relationship to grow closer to him. And then trust is the other way, right? We trust God because we love God, because we've been forgiven by God. And then we um, get become go through a series of trials and tests, as he did with Abraham and the, and the servants, to not only prove to God, because he knows our heart and everything, that we are trustworthy, but to prove to ourselves, and in the, in the ultimately, we can prove to ourselves that I am trustworthy that God can count on me, that my wife can count on me, that my kids can count on me, my business partners can count on me, that I will fulfill my promises, that I will be there when they need me. I think that's a big thing. And I know many of you are probably already there, but I was just encouraged, challenged, convicted, if you will, uh, as a reminder, not only of my oaths that I, that I said many, many times as a young man growing up to become an Eagle Scout, as a, as a scout, uh, my prayers as I'm as a Christian for the last twenty some years, as a born again Christian, if you will. Um, but and then ultimately, though, a new revelation for me, and I wanted to share it with you. And I have more to to sort of layer of onions right about trust. But really, there's this there's something special there about the trust. And I'll I'll basically end with this. There's a book out there by Stephen Covey Jr. Yes, Stephen Covey's son who followed on in his father's footsteps, has a book called The Speed of Trust. Very good book. I'm going to go back and reread that again, again in revelation of, of this focus on being trustworthy and, and trusting and, and the sort of the, the key linchpin for all relationships is that mutual trust and the level of trust uh, and the strength of relationship, that correlation, if you will. But he, he talks about that fact that you can grow trust, and when you could actually measure it by the fact that when you have more trust, you have more freedom to make decisions, that decisions get done faster, that they that ends up being a, a better work environment, that ends up delivering a better product, and, and it ultimately, when you save time, deliver a better product, and have more freedom, you make more money as well. So even from a very business-minded perspective, trust is a measurable uh, commodity, the key to growing a business, strengthening a family, uh, engaging a community. So that's one of those things where, where we talk about the civic engagement and the political process and how people have lost trust in the election system, the integrity of it. They've lost trust in their um, public servants, if you will, the civic leaders. They've lost trust in the government institutions. We've lost trust in education, and rightly so. The, the, the goal here, though, uh, is to restore trust, and that comes from both sides. They've got to restore trust by doing the right things, or we have to restore trust by 
unelecting those, putting and re and electing people to office that are trustworthy, that have proven that they are trustworthy, that will obey, not only submit themselves to the Lord, but fight for the values that we deem right, which is family, right? Which is neighborhood, which is um, law and order and so forth. And so once again, I've come back to where my calling is. My calling really is to encourage each one of us as Christians to take back those areas of society, including and specifically civic government, where we've abdicated our place there. Many of the things we are dealing with is because we have an absence of the, of the light of God and the salt of God in the decision-making areas uh, in civic government at the, every level, at the, at the county, city, uh, state, national levels, uh, where we've abdicated, the church is pulled back, the, the most many Christians are out, so they're, they're not hearing truth. Truth will set us free, will set our country free, will set you and me free, will set our communities free. I know it's a lot of stuff, but think about this. Think upon it and get back to me, email me or whatever. Check out the Scout Oath and Law. Look into the parable of the talents. Go revisit the story of Abraham and then uh, his, uh, God asking him to sacrifice Isaac. And think about this faith and trust are, are interchangeable in many ways. How relationships, the linchpin to strengthen any relationship is to build trust. Well, that's all I got for today. I hope you all enjoyed the show and take care and God bless.